Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 to 14. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much vain if it was really vain? So again I ask, does God give you his Spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by you believing I bought by you or believing what you heard so also Abraham believed in God and it was credited to him as righteousness understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham scriptures foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on the, on the works of the law are under a curse at its as it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly no one who relies on under faith of, is justified before God, because the righteousness will, righteous will live by faith. This law is not based on faith. On the contrary, it says, the person who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. He is redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we may, might receive the promise of the Spirit. Good. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Father, we just thank you for a time to hear your word. I ask that I might decrease, that you might increase. I pray that your spirit will speak to us, convincing, correcting, and rebooking, and challenging, and helping us most importantly, not just to be hearers of your word, but to become doers. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's an all-age service, so I have to start with a few questions just to engage everybody. So I'll start by asking, can anyone tell me why we have laws in this country? Can anyone tell me why we have laws? Say again. So we don't have anarchy. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Andrew. So um, what about the laws of God? Can anyone, maybe the children, can you tell me why, why God gave us laws? So that we won't do anything our own way, so we won't get confused and, and 
The religious leaders always helped people by then to to tell others about the laws of Jesus and the Ten Commandments. Okay. Oh, thank you, Tindi. Wow. You've probably said all my message then. <laughs> okay. So, what about faith? How can we have faith in a God we can't see? Have you ever thought about that? Okay. Now... I just want the children to do something for me. So let me talk to the children first. Um, children, I want you to draw a heart. A heart, yes. Auntie Jane has got that ready. So you color that heart and you draw yourself by the side and tell me exactly where your heart is meant to be so that I'll talk to the adults first. Okay? So I'll come back to that at the end. Okay, so we've had a few series in this Galatian uh, episode. So today we'll go a little further to look at the gospel and faith. I'm not sure if you listened carefully, but if you notice today's reading is full of some strong words. Words like foolish, bewitched, cursed. It appears Paul was very upset with the behavior of the Galatian Christians. He sounds like a teacher correcting, rebooking, and convincing these Christians about the truth. So let's just have a closer verse-to-verse look at what he's saying to them and how he applies to us as individuals. So I would like you to keep your Bibles very handy. I'll just look at verse 1 first. He says, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? That you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. I think our sister Mary did a brilliant job in telling us who the Galatian Christians were. She explained about the unity between the Galatians and the Jewish Christians. They were all in the same place. I believe the Galatian Christians are people like you and I because none of us are born Jewish, isn't it? So was calling the Galatians foolish well-deserved? Paul did not literally mean that they are foolish, as in in the sense of foolish. What Paul was saying here is that they've been taught something, they've been taught something that they know very well. The knowledge and understanding was there, but they were not using it. That's why he was using that word, foolish. Paul goes further to call them bewitched. Bewitched in this passage literally means under a spell. However, Paul was not also saying that they were under a spell, but he was saying that their, their understanding and their biblical knowledge is so beclouded that it looks as if someone has actually cast a spell on them. Their minds were accommodating wrong, unbiblical ideas that they didn't think things true before they actually believe it. So they were behaving like a child that will stick anything in his mouth without actually checking if they will harm them or not. So that's a sure sign of spiritual immaturity. And that's what Paul was addressing here. You know, Paul actually wondered how the Galatians could actually miss the truth. Because he said before their very eyes, Jesus Christ was portrayed. Does this mean that... They saw Jesus crucified. 
I don't think this was what Paul was saying. Rather, he was saying that he has taught them the truth of the gospel. They have believed it, but now they seem very confused and very beclouded with their understanding of the Bible. I just want to highlight that seeing Christ crucified does not necessarily mean anything. Because we know from looking at the Bible that so many people saw Jesus crucified. Hundreds, if not thousands. But what did they do? They literally mocked this crucifixion. So seeing Christ crucified was not the issue. The point is the knowledge and understanding of what they had. And that's why Paul moves on to the second verse and the third verse to say, Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing of faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun in the spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Obviously, these Galatians, they received the Holy Spirit through simple faith. The Holy Spirit is not a prize that was earned by the works of the law, like Paul was explaining to them. And I think when our sister Margaret did it last week, this, this series last week, she explained the division and the tension in this church. And what was going on here is, he worked out a bit like this. A Gentile was told he must come under the law of Moses or God will not bless him. This meant he must be circumcised according to the law of Moses. So it's a bit like the, the scenario looked like this. They were going to do an operation and as soon as they make that cut, then bang, the Holy Spirit comes upon them. Of course, this is not how it works. We receive the Holy Spirit by simple faith and not by coming under a certain set of works or laws. You know, saying that people should actually be circumcised in this manner is a bit similar to saying that I need to be white to receive Christ because the gospel was brought to us in Africa by Western missionaries. So for me to become white, I have to bleach my skin and then change my accent and then before I am actually saved. Imagine if that was how to be saved. I will be in a very difficult position. This is why Paul was rebuking them. Because they were limiting salvation to becoming Jews. A bit like racism, where one group thinks that they are actually better than another person. You know? So the Jews in this case were thinking they were superior. Their laws were superior to the Gentiles. So their circumcision laws supersede the simple gospel. This is why Paul had to ask them, have you begun in the spirit and now you're being made perfect in, in the flesh? We must never be like these Galatian Christians who think that spiritual growth and maturity is by works. Because you know from what our sister Mary taught us that they were united in how they were behaving initially. Until in chapter 2, we began to see divisions and arguments that went on to degenerate to this rebook. You know, one thing I find quite intriguing is that Paul went on to ask the Galatians a question about the past. And he says, was it all for nothing? Have you suffered so many things in vain? Perhaps a better translation to say this is, have you had such spiritual wonderful experience all to no purpose? Paul was wondering if the spiritual gift they receive will have no lasting value because they are now beginning to walk by the law and not by faith. 
So this is for anyone who has actually received the simple gospel. Then we now think that what now begins to make us Christians is coming to church, serving in the community, or dressing a certain way. These things are good in itself because we are saved to serve others. But we must never mix up this thinking that our action brings salvation rather than the simple gospel. In explaining this simple gospel, Paul makes reference to Abraham as an example of those justified by walking in faith. If you go back to chapter 2, you see that the Galatian Christians, they, they were pushing towards that work-based relationship with God before becoming a Christian. I think I've just said that. So Paul was now giving them a reference, using Abraham as an example of somebody that walked by faith. And he says, Abraham believed God and he was accounted to him for righteousness. What Paul was doing here was quoting Galatians 15. If you can keep that read later. But Abraham was trying to show them Um, Paul was trying to show them that Abraham put his faith in God, specifically in God's promise to give him children that will eventually bring forth the Messiah. And immediately he did that, God credited this belief to Abraham as righteousness. So from this, we can understand that there are essentially two types of righteousness. Righteousness we can accomplish by our own efforts. And this is described here as works. And then... Righteousness that is accounted to us by God. The theologians call this justification by faith. That simply means made just right. Made just right by God, not through your own efforts. Since none of us can be good enough to accomplish a perfect righteousness, what we have to do is trust God to account it unto us just like he did with Abraham. And that is why the Bible says, Abraham believed God. No one can say that Abraham actually believed God and then did so many things before he became accounted to him as righteousness. No. I want us to know the difference here. It wasn't that Abraham believed in God. Instead, it was written, Abraham believed God. According to the Bible, Those who believe in God in that sense that he exists are only as spiritual as demons. We see this in James chapter 2 verse 19 and I'll read it to you. It says, you believe that there is one God, you do well. Even demons believe and tremble. The point is that God wants us to believe him, not merely that he exists, like Paul emphasized in this verse, rather that He is God and we can put our trust in him. That is the difference. And that's why he said, anybody that does this is a true son of Abraham. You know, being a a son of Abraham was a great comfort to Gentile believers. Because in this case, they were regarded as second class Christians by the Jews. They They could now know that, you know, they have a spiritual link to Abraham as father and not just a biological link or a genetic link, per se, because they were Jewish. You know, the the thing I just want to quickly say here is that this is the scripture that so many have used to do this replacement theology. And they say, oh, God has now swapped his, his attention to Gentiles and no longer needs the Jew. 
but that's not true. If this was the only Bible that was, the only scripture that was written, then we can begin to think that is true. But, and the Bible also says that God turned his attention from the Jewish believers for a while to allow the Gentiles to come in. But he's not finished with the Jews. I think this church is very committed to the Jewish. So they probably, most people probably understand what I'm saying. I just want to move quickly to what Abraham says. He says, he says, those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. If not, what happens? They come under the law. In verse 11, he was emphasizing that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God. Rather, the just shall live by faith. The law is not of faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. So what does this verse mean? It simply means that you cannot keep the whole law without making mistake. So it's better to go the path of faith and believe God, just like Abraham. You know, while preaching to one of my colleagues in work, at work many years ago, I said, are you sure you're going to go to heaven? He said, yes. And I said, what makes you think you will go to heaven? He said, because he will do what his religion, his religion says. And he said, his religion says, doing good works, saying good words, or thinking good thoughts. So I said, okay. Let's, let me just, let me just take one out of what your religion teaches. He says, can I just ask you what you do in your heart when the manager refuses to give you annual leave? Maybe you really wanted to be off for your birthday and the manager says it doesn't work. It's not convenient for the service needs. What do you do in your heart? Don't you just wish Something bad. Maybe you just remember, oh, it's the UK. You can't punch this manager. You can't force her. You can't, you can't do what you want to do. But in your heart, you have actually thought something evil against the manager. He finally admitted that, yes, it was difficult to think good thoughts all the time. I'm sure, brothers and sisters, that at one point or the other, an evil thought has crossed our mind. Something that we are not, so then the Holy Spirit rebooks us that we shouldn't be thinking about this. What is the point? The point is that we cannot, by our own effort, make it to heaven. We have to go this path that the Bible is teaching us here, which is the path of faith, where we allow God accredit that righteousness just by believing him. You cannot say, look at my performance, my effort, my good intention. Credit to me as righteous. The important thing is that I'm really trying. No. Paul proved that the Old Testament itself, he proved from the Old Testament itself that it's simply not good enough. The parts of law and faith, they are parallel to each other. They can't actually meet. So when he was saying, the man who does them shall live by them. He was quoting Leviticus chapter 18 verse 5. You know there, it requires that if you have to live by the law, you must do it. Not try to do it. Not intend to do it. Not even want to do it. No. The man who does them has to do what? Shall live by them. I believe St. Paul's church is a church that allows the Holy Spirit to lead them by his word. So we must never focus on efforts or work. By, and then leave the Holy Spirit behind. It's very easy to comfort ourselves with our good intentions. We all mean very well. But if we want to find our place before God by our works under the law, 
good intentions can never be enough. A good effort isn't enough. Only actual performance is, is the only way forward for someone who wants to walk by, by works and not faith. The good news is that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Because we didn't do it, we can't do it, the law puts us under a curse. But now Jesus did what? Redeemed us. He bought us back. He purchased us back by paying a price through his blood. Simply put, in Jesus, we are no more under a curse. For his written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. Hanging on a tree is actually worse than being put to death in that generation. Why did Jesus do it? He did it so that the blessings of Abraham might come upon us. Jesus received the curse that he didn't deserve so that the blessings of Abraham can do what? Come upon all of us. It would be enough if Jesus simply took away our curse. Because that's what we deserve. But he did far more than that. He gave a blessing. On top of saving us, he gave a blessing. That the blessing of Christ might come upon, the blessing of Abraham might come upon all that believe. So what's the summary of all this cancel from Paul? Believe the simple gospel by receiving it through faith. And allowing God to help you grow in your relationship with him by trusting the Holy Spirit daily to help you walk in faith. As I'm saying this, I am very aware that having faith in God can be daunting for some people, especially a God you cannot see. You don't need to understand everything in one go. You just need to do what? Believe God. Read his word. Fellowship with other believers and you will soon begin to consolidate your faith or trust in God. So I'll end this talk by reading a short article that I wrote online on my Digging Deeper platform. It was a story of a conversation I had with my daughter when she was wondering how she can trust a God that she cannot see. And I titled it Unseen Realities. So I'm just going to read that to you. It says... Mommy, please sleep with me, my daughter begged. I need to sleep in my room. Remember Jesus is always with you, I reassured her. I can't see Jesus. How can I know he is here, my daughter insisted. He is here, but we can't see him, I replied. She looked more confused. I knew this was a divine moment to explain some spiritual truths. Do you have a heart? I asked her. Yes, she answered with confidence. Can you see your heart? No, she replied. Where is your heart? Inside, she said with excitement. You believe your heart is inside without seeing your heart. In the same way, you can believe Jesus is with you without seeing him. You remember, God is spirit. We cannot see him with our human eyes. Okay, mommy, I see what you mean. I breathed a sigh of relief that this spiritual truth is sinking now. So over to you, my friends. Do you assume there is no God because you can't see him with your eyes? Can you see your heart? Why do you believe he's inside your body? There are so many unseen realities existing within us. We believe it without seeing it. 
If we believe all the unseen realities existing within us, surely we can believe God and his word. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 18 says, So we fix our eyes on what is seen, but on, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporal, but what is unseen is eternal. Notice, all we see now in this world is temporal, and we are admonished to focus on the unseen more than the seen. Think about it today. So I'm just going to go over to the children. I think I've done a lot with the adults, so I'll go back to the children and see if they've done what I told them to do. Hello, children. Are you ready? Did you draw a heart? Okay, 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 okay. Ooh, some people are still drawing. Oh, cheese tell, is that your heart? Wow. So where is, oh, Chukubi came, is that your heart? So where is your heart? Where is your heart? Where is it in your body? Tell me, tell me. Okay. Cameroon, did you draw a heart? Ooh, yeah. I like Cameroon's zone. I'm going to take it. Chimdi, have you finished? Okay, so I just want these two. Who else? Who else? Jim, it's fine, it's fine. I just, I just want to show the church what you guys drew. Okay. Oh, lovely. Excellent, excellent. So I'm just going to show everybody from the front so that they can see. So this is, um, sorry, Sue, what's your daughter's name? Beriana, yeah. So see, see, see the beautiful picture that Beriana drew. But I want you guys to notice something. She knew exactly where her heart is. She said her heart is there without actually seeing her heart. She can't see her heart, but she knows where it is. Now, see what Cameroon did. He's a boy. He drew himself and he also knew where his heart is. And this is from Chimdi. Chimdi drew so many people. And they all have hearts inside them, but they can't see their hearts. And this is Chukubikem. Chukubikem drew himself and his heart. He knew exactly where it is. So you can see the children can actually identify that they have a heart and is inside without seeing it. In the same way, we can trust God. I just want us to bow our heads. I want you to talk to Jesus. Perhaps you're here, you've been coming to church. This whole issue of faith had made no sense. You just think it's all about coming to church Sunday by Sunday. But you've never really had a personal relationship with God. Like believing Abraham, you've never really believed God. But you believe he exists. I want you to tell God that today I just want to believe you. I can't do it. I can't be good enough. I can't do all the good things and still go to hell. I want to know you. I just want you to credit that righteousness to me. Talk to Jesus now. Ask him to credit that righteousness to you. He is hearing you and he is in this church now with us because he says, where two or more are gathered, there I am in their midst. So he's hearing you. You know your heart is inside, just like we've demonstrated this morning. So I want you to know that Jesus is here and he's hearing him. Tell him you're sorry for your sins. Tell him to forgive you. 
And I have good news for you. The moment you repent, the moment with your whole heart you say you are sorry, and you are committing to living a Christian life, that moment your name is written in the book of life. And the Bible says that you have become a true son of Abraham. You have been linked by spiritual link into sonship with Abraham. And God has accepted you and your name has been written in the book of life. That is what has happened today. Father, I just thank you for the people that you are saving. The people that you are helping to understand this issue of faith. Those that still listen online, I pray that wherever they are, they will know that they don't need to be in church to fall down on their knees and repent from their sin and turn to you. And then they will come back to church, get plugged in and begin to grow to the glory of your holy name. Thank you for what you are doing. For in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.